Hello and welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Podcast. We call this the modern podcast for the modern entrepreneur, which my editor likes to, you know, kid us all the time. There is no such thing as an old-timey podcast. Of course it's modern, but we just want to give a couple of different views. Um, we don't talk marketing all the time, but we have an awesome guest on today. I'm so excited. This is going to be such a great rounding, and this is this is just, consider this my gift to you, listener. It's going to be awesome. You're going to love it. So with me is Kathy. Catherine Budig, and she has just finished her second book called Aim True, and get this subtitle, Love Your Body, Eat Without Fear, Nourish Your Spirit, Discover True Balance. Holy smokes, that's a tall order, so welcome, Catherine. Thank you. It's great to be here. (laughs) It's so cool. We got connected through a mutual friend who's a very positive guy, <laughs> Doug Sandler. Very nice guy. <laughs> I know, right? And love his podcast. And I just, I really loved your interview. And I'm so glad he connected us. I, I think that, you know, it's like people finding like people because even your idea of balance or just really considering your whole self. And that's so in alignment with what I like to do in leadership here and also people's business, entrepreneurs, They're not just managing their business. So I'm so excited to talk with you. But I want to tell you a little bit more of a connection I think that we have. And that is in marketing, I'm always trying to walk away from jargon and the experts keep telling everybody, you should do this, you should do this, you should. It just is so like the layers of guilt of what entrepreneurs either don't know or know that they're not doing. (laughs) And I like to get in there, get rid of that, which is you completely understand getting rid of all the shame around what you're not doing currently. So no shaming. And also the demystification. It's not that hard running your business and people try and make it harder than it is because they're trying to kind of control something there. But I hear in your spirit, we I feel like we connected there too. You're trying to demystify what is this whole body body health, and you're trying to walk into it in a no-shaming type of way. And I think that's a deeper connection that we have. And so I know this is going to be a great conversation. (laughs) Yes, bring it. (laughs) So give me a couple words. Like, how do you, how would you describe yourself? I, I, after reading the book, um, which is just fantastic, and I know I'm going to say this so many times during this, but this book is beautiful. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I put a, a lot of love and thought into aesthetically, especially how I wanted the book to come across and to just stand out. There's a big sea of books out there these days. So I wanted it to be something that would really jump out at the reader as they're walking by. Well, it jumps out, but then it's like it, you fall in love with it. Really? But, you know, you keep turning the pages and you're like, oh, this makes me feel so good. <laughs> It is really beautiful. And obviously, I'm big into visuals and things like that. But I feel like your your um, your take and your attitude, just your spirit come out in it. So it's really cool. But tell me, how, how do people describe you? Uh, unfiltered is a big one <laughs> that I get. Uh, and I think that's part of, especially when I'm teaching yoga classes, that's why people love me so much. Because you know, the yoga world historically is can be a very stoic place where you, you go in and it, it's not a place to laugh. You have to take the practice seriously. You must respect the teacher. And I trust me, I, I'm well trained. I have lineage and I have so much respect for my teachers. But I also have found that the easiest way to succeed in anything is through laughter. Mm-hmm. And if you can kind of drop these preconceived notions of how something should be and allow yourself to fall down and laugh instead of turning bright red and being mortified and feeling like you've just completely failed. Like that's truly the gateway to 
being strong and being empowered and, and moving forward. So I say exactly what I want to say. I'm, I'm unafraid <laughs> to make a complete fool of myself. I, 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 it sounds not thoughtful, but words just come to my mouth. It's not that I'm not thinking, but I, I have a very visual mind, so I speak in a lot of analogies, and sometimes <laughs> my analogies are a bit bizarre. You know, I want to change a thing about myself because that's what makes me accessible, which would be another word to my students is, you know, I don't think people want a teacher barking commands at them from a high sofa looking down. They want a teacher that they can see eye to eye who is going to be empathetic and understand them. Yeah, I, I think that comes across in the book, too. I, I It's funny because my, my first word was, even though we haven't met in person, I really got from everything you've written that you're funny, oh, good. you know, irreverent. And But this was, it got even deeper. You're very self-accepting. It, that's already come out in kind of the way you've just talked, like, yeah, I wouldn't change a thing about about myself. That's, that's a really lovely um, feeling, but it's even more lovely when you see someone act on it. Mm-hmm. But I think that this American female persona is so self-deprecating and so judgmental, self, so, so much self-talk that goes around judging what we're not doing. But I, I find that where others use self-deprecation and they laugh at themselves, I hear you like laughing with yourself. <laughs> You're all, look at this. Isn't this hilarious? <laughs> like, doesn't everybody else find this funny about me? That totally comes out. But well, tell us about your story, because you, like you said, you have lineage in, in yoga, very experienced. So tell us a little bit about your journey um, through yoga and then into more of the approach of just whole health. And really, in a lot of ways, I think that your writing is is like along in a movement. So tell us a little bit about that. Sure. I, you know, I discovered yoga when I was in college. I was attending the University of Virginia and um I, I was studying English literature and drama, so I spent either all my time in class and I was on class, I was on stage. So one of my, my dance friends went off for a summer and came back, and the ballet program that she did incorporated yoga into it, and she fell madly in love with it. So she was the one who really pulled me away from just taking random classes at the school gym to a proper studio, and that's where I fell in love with it. And fast forward to graduating from college, what do I want to do with my life? Where do I go next? You know, I wanted to act. So I thought New York or LA. And I was so madly in love with yoga that I thought, well, maybe this would be a good thing to learn how to teach because then that can financially float me until I become some big time. Right. Well, especially Uh, in New York and and LA, you could definitely teach yoga. I have fancy flavored ramen. Um, So... (laughs) So uh, I chose L.A. because they had a really good yoga scene and I had already been on the East Coast for a while and I wanted to switch it up. And I was really fortunate enough to be recommended to one of the best studios in the world with two of the most phenomenal teachers who trained me and they saw something inside of me that I never would have saw on my own. And they really put me on the road to to teaching and I, I quickly found out that it was something that I adored and I had a natural affinity towards and simultaneously realized that how much Hollywood disgusted me. And, and coming back to that concept of self-acceptance, I, one of the very first meetings I ever had in L.A., and I was 21 at the time. I was teeny tiny, fresh out of college, gorgeous, you know, shiny little girl. <laughs> and this manager sat me down and, and very squarely to me said, you know, you at the weight that you're at right now, you could be the funny best friend. And I know that sounds horrible, but that's just how it is. And I was 
I'm five foot two. I probably weighed about 105 pounds at the time. Wow. <laughs> like, it's what, a, what a statement. Yeah. You know, and it really, it, it scarred me. And so that was an interesting start to where I am now of uh, moving past a statement like that because words, you know, they're, they're spells. You cast them, you open your mouth, you cast these spells that can permanently scar someone for the rest of their life or ideally lift them up forever. And uh, that was a, a big one because I left that meeting thinking something was wrong with me and, and that if I really wanted to pursue this dream of acting, which I love the craft, that I didn't look right. So that was the, the first kind of juicy lesson for me is how to move past a statement like that. And, and yoga helped me because yoga is, if taught correctly, is about self-acceptance and, and observance and not being rash and reactive and really loving who you are right now. So I chose that path and, and it became a very accidental career, but I was grateful for my theatrical background because it, it made me comfortable in front of groups of people and I know how to keep people entertained. And my writing background, I, I started writing. My father was very excited that I used that part of my college education. <laughs> it's and, coming into play. <laughs> right, yes, I know. Uh -huh. So I, you know, took everything and, and started using my voice beyond just being in the classroom and put pen to paper and... And that was kind of simultaneous when Facebook came out. And I was like, what's this Facebook thing? And my friend kind of told me to get on it as a challenge to see who could acquire more friends. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so it was all these worlds colliding and having a platform to actually share my blogs and my articles. And, and I've always adored food ever since I was little. And I've been very lucky to work with people who uh, are amazing chefs who have taught me so much and, and being in the health world as long as I have. Uh, really learning so much about all the different ways to eat and nutrition. And, and so that all formulated into me writing a food blog and having my recipes in the book. So, it, you know, it's just uh, all the characters along the way and experiences have kind of gotten me to this current spot. Yeah, well, the blog really and, and the recipes, they are amazing. I got to tell you when I, I, I did try oh. uh, the vegan chocolate coconut ice cream and before everybody just runs away, let me tell you. <laughs> Just because it said vegan. Oh, right. my gosh. Is word. Yes, it is amazing. So it's totally amazing. And there's one I'm dying to make my husband make for me. <laughs> you like how we put that? Because yes. I'm probably not going to make it. But the Due West salad. Oh, my gosh. Seriously, how did you come up with this stuff? It, they are so amazing. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I Well, I mean, I think it really starts with I love to eat. And right. <laughs> if you like to eat food, uh, you know, that the kitchen is an incredibly cathartic laboratory space for me where uh, I'm fortunate enough to see the world. I travel for a living for the most part. So I get to experience cuisine all over the world. And and I, I try to take that home with me. And then I go back into my kitchen and I'm like, oh, you know, I had this amazing salad or I had this amazing entree at this place. And like, how can I make my own version of it? And then how can I also make it healthier? You know, not not like, let's take all the flavor and excitement right. out of this, right. but you know, is, is there a way to cut out the like loads of cream that, and still give that same decadence yeah, yeah. while making it more digestible? You know, something Dif like yeah, that. Different spices. And I do think the world influence is a big deal. But I can tell you a funny story. <laughs> One of my friends gives me so much crap about this all the time is that when I was about uh, 16 or 17, I went for a summer to Morocco. Ooh. And then this lady like came over one in the afternoons in the house and she was making this food and everything. And I kept 
tasting this thing the whole time I was there that I had never a flavor I had never tasted before. Mm-hmm. And I swear, you know, I'm sure in retrospect I've completely beefed this up, but it's like every night I'd go to sleep, it's like still do not know what this mystery herb is. <laughs> it's like, what is this flavor? I love it. I've never tasted it in my life. Then she came over one day to cook with us and she I saw her put it in. I'm like, that's the thing that I like I take I could smell it. Mm-hmm. And it was cilantro. No way. <laughs> and I had never tasted it before 17. Oh. And I mean, it totally changed my life. And can you oh. imagine now your life without cilantro? Oh, my gosh. That's you a love or hate kind of herb. My sister despises Des- it. Yeah, that is so <laughs> weird. But it's just this hilarious, like, this mystery green herb. What is this? You know, <laughs> What is this grand thing? <laughs> totally. But so many amazing, you know, flavors. And, you know, we eat a lot of Thai food and a lot of Indian food. Just amazing spices that really get left out of, you know, a lot of American cooking. And, you know, so, yeah, I love that idea of, like, don't take the flavor out. Make it healthier. But, I mean, you still have to, like, really eat. And I think that's that piece that you talk about. And it comes out in your blogs about really nourishing your spirit with actually not being afraid to eat things that are actually tasty, things that you love and, you know, you, like, can close your eyes and relish for a minute. Right. My biggest challenge is, like, my father. Father is 76 and he's from Nebraska. So, as you can wow. imagine, he's, yeah, he's very <laughs> stuck in his ways. Like, yeah. He's so meat and potatoes. Right. And, right. you know, my goal is, oh, bless his heart, but I uh, made him calamari once. Mm. And I made this really beautiful calamari salad, but I told him it was noodles. Oh. <laughs> Did he eat it? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's noodles. Come on. <laughs> and so I just go over, I'm such a liar, but I constantly go cook. And I'll be like, look, dad, mashed potatoes. And it's actually pureed cauliflower, cauliflower. you know, like all these things. And he's like, hmm, that's really good. But as long as he doesn't know what he's eating, he really okay. well, Tell him he cannot listen to this podcast or that your, your nope. whole thing is up. <laughs> well, tell me a little bit about the whole idea, your concept, your motto. Is it fair enough for me to call it a motto yeah. of Aim True? Yeah. It's the title of the book, but it's obviously something that is a guiding force for you, for your life. I believe you have it as a tattoo as well. I do. So tell us a little bit about that. How did this, you know, your experience bring you into really honing your message? Well, you know, as a little girl, I I loved Greek mythology and I was a tomboy. I guess I I technically still am. And I always adored Artemis or Diana is her Roman name. And and she's basically the the tomboy of the goddesses. And her story is so amazing. And it didn't really strike me what it actually meant until I was a grown woman. But, you know, at a very young age, she went to her father, Zeus, and said, I'm not normal, and I don't want to get married. I don't want to have children. I don't want to live by the regular societal rules. I want to go live in the forest. I want to hunt. I want to be with my tribe. I want to be with my sisters. Will you let me do this? And he said yes. You know, as a grown woman looking at that story who actually experiences these traditional societal pressures of who you should be and how old are you and what should you be doing right now and how much money should you make, how many children should you popped out, how handsome should your partner be, you know, all these things. I looked at her and went, wow, you are badass. <laughs> I mean, you know, that takes a truly, like the amount of confidence you have to have in your own skin to say, I choose to go completely against the grain and be myself is remarkable. So she really became this shining role model to me. And I I did all this research on her during a tough time in my life, and I found a prayer that was written to her. And the beginning of the prayer was, Artemis, Huntress of the Moon, make my aim true. And it was just one of those moments where you get the goosebumps, you find something that's so remarkable. And and it was the catalyst of my journey for me to figure out what it means for me to aim true. 
And, you know, because obviously anyone listening right now, I'm sure if I, you know, put the pressure on, you could write a sentence right now. This is what it means. Like, oh, positive connotations pointing in the right direction, you know, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. But, you know, actually digging deep and figuring out what does this statement mean for me and how can I how is it applicable to what's going on in my life? So that was a very personal journey for me for at least a year. And it became so remarkably helpful for me that I started lecturing about it and I started teaching about it because I thought maybe this can help other people. Well, what, is, that, what yeah. is that deep work? When you say helping other people, what is it that you hope that people get from your book and from that message? What mm-hmm. what do you feel like is you, the next step or what what do you wish the most for people reading and hearing your message? I want people to read this book and and feel permission to unapologetically be themselves. Uh, you know, I just, I think current the current social climate that we're in right now is one that is defined by likes and it's one that's defined by how many people approve of you and i think that's incredibly dangerous what where we're going right now and i want to get people back to a place where not where you're dismissive or defiant but where the opinions of others are not what makes you a good or bad person or a successful or not person. I want people to truly embrace who they are, what they want to do with their lives, regardless of whether or not that's understandable, and go after it and, and feel confident with those decisions every day. Well, and how did you do that? Let, let's switch gears just a little bit, because I have a lot of listeners who are entrepreneurs themselves or freelancers or are at the VP marketing level and trying to put truly something they believe in out there. But there is a certain amount, especially for entrepreneurs, there's a path that you've been on in managing you as a yes. bu- as a business, right? Yes. So as far as the book is concerned, tell us a little bit about how what the process was like about the book. What What's the reality? Because I think it, there's that idea of just like with yoga, like people see the amazing stuff you do in yogi, yoga and it's like this shiny, amazing thing, but nobody really wants to talk about the years <laughs> that it took right. you to get there. <laughs> you know, and it, like I see this amazing, beautiful book and I'm just like drooling over it. But tell us like what's the blood, sweat and tears that goes into that? What's that? path so much blood sweat and tears okay. and you know I, would, <laughs> I thought so <laughs> I would love to say that oh I just plopped this book out of me and like voila look isn't she pretty but it, it's it, it, I, I like that you pointed that out that it's so easy to look at people and want to be like them because all we're seeing is the finished process we're not looking at all the rejection we're not looking at all the moments of like despair right. when you're trying to create something amazing and writing a book for anyone listening to this who wants to do that it is a huge endeavor you know it's not like you're just going to casually type some words and then it's all going to be bound up together and voila this is you know especially if it's something that's meaningful to you which ideally is the only reason that you would be writing something right let's hope you know (laughs) can we keep it only (laughs) one make sure you actually care right (laughs) once you know you have a subject matter that's so important to you is truly making it accessible to the masses and giving it the credit that it deserves, which is an enormous amount of pressure to bear mm-hmm. when you're putting something together. So I had moments of just, oh, God, I'm not giving it what it deserves, coupled with that sentence was amazing. I just wrote an epic sentence that is exactly what I want the reader to feel. And I just put all these beautiful words together to not only get it across to them, but paint this beautiful image of what I want them to feel. So you have moments of like patting yourself on the back and you have moments of slamming your head into the wall. <laughs> And Hopefully less slamming, more padding. Ideally, but, you know, I mean, sometimes there's a lot of, 
head hitting on the wall that needs right, to happen. Right. And I think it's important also to, to realize that that doesn't mean you're wrong. That doesn't mean you won't succeed. It's just we've got a lot of road bumps and it's a very complicated path. And what I've been telling myself regularly, because I am working on this as well, is that you know, happily ever after when it comes to your work or whatever, it can go beyond that, doesn't mean that every chapter ends well. Doesn't mean that every single moment of your life is riddled with all these beautiful, amazing aspects. There's challenges, right? There's villains, there's obstacles. Mm -hmm. There's Mm -hmm. all these things you have to get past in order to get to your happily ever after finished product. So I remind myself of that. Yeah, tell us a little bit on that. Like what was your day? How long did it take you to write the book? I guess is a really good question that people Mm -hmm. probably dying to know. Sure. The the actual writing and photography aspect of it was about a year. A year. Okay. And what, what, what did your days look like? And how did you manage you in terms of the other practices that you're in the middle of? And you do a lot of private yoga and you do, I mean, you have amazing videos out there for yoga. So how did you keep everything rolling? Uh, you know, I, I think I, I really try to take it one day at a time because if you, I get too far ahead of myself, then I, I get overwhelmed. When I was at home, I would make sure to carve out at least a couple hours a day. I'm a better morning worker than I am nighttime worker. Okay. So I would carve a couple hours out a day. I also like to work in quiet. I'm not like a coffee shop worker. I just either snuggle up on my sofa that's where I like to write or on my dining room table I agree I don't understand what these people are doing in coffee shops like how on earth are they doing anything (laughs) I I can't I know people who love it but I am I'm like ooh, shiny I'm so distracted I'm so easily distracted (laughs) I'm in this entrepreneur group and then some of them talking about how lonely entrepreneurship is and I'm like yeah uh uh-huh and they're like yeah so we go to coffee shops and work and I'm just like yeah, that would like I would no longer be an entrepreneur. <laughs> no, I would just be totally jacked up on coffee and oh my press gosh. Off. <laughs> Yeah, totally. So you just kind of day to day, which is funny because you know Doug Sandler, he was talking about someone broke it down for him. It's like, hey, do you want to write a this many page book? And he's like, no, I don't. And then they were like, well, do you want to maybe write this many pages a month? Do you want to write this many pages a week? And by the time it came down to, could you write these two pages a day? He was like, oh, sure, I'm in. <laughs> you know, and I think that was a really good story for me to hear about the reality of this process. And I like that, what you're saying, you know, taking it day to day. But yeah, um, because some days you're going to get two pages out and some days a paragraph. It's just, and for for writers, the important part is write. You need to just write. You can sit around and think about it all you want, but that's not going to write itself. Right. So whether or not you think you're producing anything any content that's worth keeping, just do it. Because at least if you can get something on the paper, you can go back and re-edit. Or you can send it to your editor and be like, have fun. But, you know, at least you're getting something down. And I think that's such a massive part of the creative process. Mm, I totally agree. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of the places they, um, you know, can see you. I want to talk specifically about some of your videos that are online. Mm -hmm. Because I've got to say, let's just just have this discussion, okay? (laughs) Yes, let's. Let's. (laughs) Yoga is intimidating. (laughs) You know, when you see people doing these things that are just amazing, and obviously, you know, you've practiced for so many years, it is hard for people to picture themselves taking a first step. Oh, sure. So let's let me hear you talk a little bit about that. Like, what is the what is that kind of and why yoga? Why? You know what? Because obviously, you've, you've written a book about yoga. Mm -hmm. And then this book incorporates yoga, but this book is not 
all about yoga. This is yeah. really about just self, you know, yeah. self-love and self Gosh, I mean, self-love is totally, you know, all, all over it. Um, but you, your path included yoga. So tell us about that and what you think your reader should be feeling that is besides intimidation. <laughs> sure. Well, I think you have to be careful if you're interested in a yoga practice is be careful with the material that you're looking at. Because, yes, you know, in the same way that if you look, that's like saying I'm going to watch Steph Curry hit a three-pointer and then think I want to get into basketball and I'm going to be just like him. Right. You can't look at that level. You need to like remember that someone trained for years and years and years to get to it. And so when you're watching someone do a contorted, you know, strength, foot behind the head, handstand, blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah, admire that, but recognize that's not where they began. So I constantly remind people who are practicing yoga to enjoy being a beginner because you'll only be a beginner once. And so as you start this process, don't go in there expecting to be flexible right away. That's why you practice yoga. You practice yoga to garner flexibility. You practice it to get stronger. So you can go in there fully, you know, train wreck style. And if you have a good teacher, they're going to embrace you and they're going to get you on a path to becoming stronger and more flexible. So I, I didn't know yeah. that train wreck style was an option because I choose that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm in. <laughs> oh, I see them all the time. I might make a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have a suggestion. You have a really good shop online. I have a suggestion for another t-shirt. <laughs> train wreck style. Bring it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Cartoon pretzel person. Right. Um, so why do you why do you think yoga was such an important part of of your message? Obviously, you know I hear what you're saying that when yoga is, is taught correctly, it is about self-love, but people can get there other ways. But why has yoga been so important to you? That has changed a lot and it probably will for the rest of my life. You know, as a young woman, it was important to me because it was exciting, because it was stimulating. You know, it it gave me a daily challenge and it it gave me a place to show up and remain disciplined. Hmm. And then it eventually gave me a platform to figure out what my message was and how to use my voice and how to use my talents and and now the the physical practice has evolved into um, a way to find balance and and maintenance compared to the the chaos of daily life. You know, I don't do yoga to do fancy poses anymore. I mean, I'll bust them out from time to time if I'm in a mood. But for me, my yoga practice now is about feel good postures, hip openers, forward bends, things to to counteract all the travel that I do and the work that I'm doing. So it's really beautiful because it, it truly is for everyone. And I know if you look at magazines, it looks like it's probably for the wealthy, skinny white woman. But if you can look beyond how media portrays the practice, it truly is for everyone. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love teaching on an online platform because it's it makes it more accessible. You know, it's if you're in a big city, one yoga class could cost $25, which is uh, going to add up really really fast. Mm-hmm. So it's been really exciting for me to teach at a place where, you know, it's 18 bucks a month for as much yoga as you want to do and you can have a room like a house full of children and you don't have time to leave so you could do yoga or you can't afford it or you're not near a place where you'd be able to practice. So, you know, I, I love that that's making yoga accessible to the masses. Right. Well, it means like where you live and out where you did live in the past in L.A. and New York, it's easy to find. We have one yoga studio sure. in this yeah. town. So and, and 
and then that's relatively new. So it, it's not it, it, that it, it is frustrating when you see even even recipes. I got to tell you, sometimes I'm just like, oh, I just laugh at them. I'm like, yeah, well, if we had a Whole Foods, I could probably make this recipe, too. <laughs> People only take three days to make. It's like, Seriously, <laughs> we just don't even have these ingredients. I mean, I can get these things shipped in or things like that. But I do, I, I think that's really appreciated about, you know, what's happened online and being able to also share your story. You do have a fantastic stage presence. And there is a lot to be said for that when you're teaching yoga, because you do have to put people at ease and make them feel comfortable and just like in their own skin. And there, there is just a certain, just there's something, that certain je ne sais quoi that you just is there, you have to have that in order to kind of just get beyond yourself. Mm-hmm. So I think that translates in it. Well, tell everybody where they could find, um, we could just all take a deep breath, get past our intimidation. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I know I, I see yogaglow.com, but your website is fantastic. It's um, Catherine uh, Budig, K-A-T-H-R-Y-N. B-U-D-I-G dot com. Of course, it'll be in the show notes, but you just can't miss it. And and I see that you connect your videos through that. Is there somewhere else they should be looking for those videos or... Um, all, all of my online content teaching wise, you're going to be able to get on yogaglow.com okay. and you know, I'll have a few little promotional things. Occasionally I'll do TV gigs and stuff like that, but that's really going to be the home base if they want to learn how mm-hmm. to practice. Okay. And then w- what else do you have going on? I know you're, you know, you're really busy with the, the book tour and right now this book is in pre-order. What, what's the date that it releases? Because that mo- might coincide here with our podcast release. Um, actually, the the book is out. The book released to March 29th. So okay. you can get it right now if you okay. want it. <laughs> and I am telling you, it is so pretty. Did I mention that part? <laughs> <laughs> you're so sweet. <laughs> and the R is so cool. And just, I, I just, you, you're right in that. I mean, I felt like all the intimidation factor is going away. I just felt like you were able to talk directly to me. And mm-hmm. I felt like, oh, okay, well, this is possible. I, I felt like there were, I felt like it, it opened up with possibilities. And that was an amazing experience because you're right. That's not typically where that um, there's so much in that industry that is is very demanding as opposed Mm -hmm. to very accepting and very opening the doors. (laughs) So it really felt like that. So you definitely have to go out. Um, And I've loved catching some of your articles on the Huffington Post. Oh, thank you. You know, that's obviously they see the value in that. But um, I, I tell you what, I haven't checked out your Pinterest page. And I'm like, I've, I've put it on my list. I'm like, oh, go check out her Pinterest page. I bet if this is this awesome, I bet her Pinterest is amazing. Oh, my God. So do you love it? I, I, I do love Pinterest. You know, I'm not as dedicated to my Pinterest page as I could be, but I've got all sorts of stuff. I have uh, I have a food page, obviously, for my stuff and then stuff that just makes me super excited to look at and then stuff for the home. I love interior design. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, anything aesthetic. I'm really interested in fashion and, and all of that. So, right. yeah, I guess it would be a fun page to check out. Right. <laughs> well, let's end just real quick with just maybe some thoughts on, like, what are you doing in terms of marketing you know who you are because you're you're as an entrepreneur you are your product Mm -hmm. so what are some thoughts that you have about that that might be interesting to other entrepreneurs and you know sometimes people kind of talk about a little bit in self-doubt or maybe talk about this is the power i found um or is it a lot to juggle do you just delegate marketing to other people or do you like to be really hands-on I see you all over your marketing, and so that's super yeah. commendable. But what are your thoughts on marketing? Some people go, Ugh, and, you know, some people love it. 
I mean, yeah, and that's never going to change. You're either going to love it or you hate it. But for me, at least when it comes to marketing myself through social media, I do it myself. But I'm also a control freak. And, uh-huh. and, and I don't feel comfortable passing those reins over to someone else because, I, like you said, you see me all over it because it is me. And there's no way someone could duplicate my energy or what I want to say or what I want to share. Mm-hmm. So that's why I haven't done that. But outside of the realm of social media, just for marketing for the book and, and finding partnerships and, and connecting with other companies, I hired a PR team. And I think that's really important. And I know they're expensive, but I would recommend to anyone, you know, hit the iron while it's hot. And if you have something that you're pushing, like maybe for a month or two months, like find a good PR team to help represent you. Like someone who's really experienced and they understand that world because you need the support. It's like, don't be afraid to ask for that support. And they have the reach and the contacts. And that makes a huge difference when you're you're trying to promote your product or your brand or whatever it is that you're sharing. Awesome. Well, where can they find you? Give us your Twitter handle and, and any other place you'd like to connect. Uh, it's really easy. All my social media is at Catherine Budig, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that jazz. I occasionally Snapchat. It's. I'm still not super <laughs> savvy with that one. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty active. I normally put up one or two posts a day on my pages, and people can. You can send me a private Facebook message if you want to try to get in touch with me, or just shoot an email over to info at katherinebudick.com. Awesome, Catherine. Thank you for telling us your story and just you know sure. sharing just some. It just is a breath of fresh air today. Just something a little bit different, out of the norm for us. But I think it's so interesting to hear people's you know different stories. Entrepreneurship is, it just has so many different faces and mm. joke around with people. A lot of times they talk about that overnight success, and I joke around with people. Yeah, <laughs> it, ten years from now you'll be an overnight success. Don't worry exactly. about it. <laughs> and I love that. I love you know that you have a long history. You you really you know stayed in what you love. And I, I, I do see you living that same message you're putting out there. And I, I, I think that's, that's really awesome. I think that's the biggest difference between, um, you know, writing a book and having it totally connect with your life. It, it's pretty apparent. So I, I really appreciate the conversation. And I really, really love the book. And just I hope that you can just take that just take that in of just like how, mm-hmm. how that the impact that that kind of a book can have to release people to take a next step that might broaden their life. Mm, Priscilla, thank you so much. I'm really honored. <laughs> Absolutely. They will go check her out, katherinebutig.com. You can find everything you want from there. And don't be intimidated. I, nope. may, I may even try yoga. <laughs> Yay, success. <laughs> uh, Pilates is close, right? So <laughs> Baby steps. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Catherine. This has been Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Podcast, and we hope to see you very, very soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.